For our scripture reading, I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Numbers chapter 9. Numbers chapter 9 can be found on page 138 in your pew Bible. You may notice the title of this morning's sermon is The God of Second Chances. And that's a title that's not unique to myself. I was studying this passage a number of years ago, and a commentator brought to the attention of the readers of the fact that God is a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, so on and so forth. He is a God who is abounding in steadfast love and mercy. And this text of Scripture beautifully illustrates that point. Numbers chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Let us now hear God's word. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month, at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its statutes and all its rules, you shall keep it. So Moses told the people of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover in the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight, in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so the people of Israel did. And there were certain men who were unclean through touching a dead body, so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. And those men said to him, We are unclean through touching a dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? And Moses said to them, Wait, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If any one of you or of your descendants is unclean through touching a dead body or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month, on the fourteenth day at twilight, they shall keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break any of its bones. According to all the statute for the Passover, they shall keep. But if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the Passover to the Lord according to the statute of the Passover and according to its rule, so shall he do. You shall have one statute, both for the sojourner and the native, both for the sojourner and for the native. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's ask his blessing in a time of prayer. O Father in heaven, we pray that you would speak so that we would run faster, faster in faith, deeper in faith to you. Speak, O Lord, and may you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is teaching the church of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen. 
Congregation of Christ, God knows our frailty. He knows our weakness. He knows our uncleanliness of hearts. He knows that we are but creatures who are sinful. And yet God makes a way, doesn't he? God prepares a way to draw near to him in holiness and righteousness. God saves unclean sinners without compromising his justice because God is both just and merciful. He cannot compromise any of his attributes lest he cease to be God. So God is both just and mercy. He will not put aside his rules and regulations. He will not put aside his commands because he commands righteousness. He commands holiness to his law, his word. Because of his great love for us, he is the God of second chances, the God of third chances, the God of fourth chances. God provides the way to draw near to him, draw near to a holy and righteous God. Are you hearing me? I think I got some attention there. Why are you able to worship God? Why are we able to come before God? God provided the way. God provided the way without compromising His justice, His mercy, His love. And as we look at this beautiful narrative, we're going to, to see the flow of the text First, looking at the command of God in verses 1 to 5. If you have your Bibles open, I hope you have them open. Verse 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month, at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. Note the Repetition, according to all its statutes and all its rules, you shall keep. So Moses told the people of Israel that they should keep the Passover, and they kept the Passover. The people of Israel did what the Lord commanded. The Passover was one of three major festivals in the life of Israel. People would pilgrimage to the promised land, later on, later on after this narrative, when they were in the promised land and Jerusalem was the city of the king, they would make pilgrimage to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover. It would be one of the three major festivals. It was a sacrifice where the worshiper brought an unblemished lamb, one year old, to sacrifice, roast with fire, they would have special ceremonies, eat with unleavened bread, eat it with bitter herbs, just as they did in the Egyptian Passover a year ago. The blood of the sacrificed lamb 
in the Egyptian Passover feast. Before they exited Egypt, the blood was sprinkled on the doorposts of the Israelites and it was to be a sign to the angel of death when passing through the land. The angel of death would slay the firstborn of the Egyptians, but he would pass over the firstborn Hebrews. When the angel of death saw the blood on the doorposts, God was merciful and gracious. The angel of death passed over the homes that marked, that were marked by the Passover lamb. This is why the Lord commands the people to celebrate participating in the sacrament of the Passover a year later. Notice in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, they would celebrate and keep the Passover. This would be the first Passover celebration since the original Passover sacrifice in Egypt. And it was at the appointed time, the first month, when they were to sacrifice the lamb. In addition, God required ceremonial cleanliness. Clean hands. Why? Why did God require and command that they come before the Lord clean? Ceremonial washing. Well, because it was a holy feast. It was a holy ceremony. And to come before the Lord unclean was to defile the holy things of God. And so here God commands a holy feast. And if one is unclean physically or spiritually, he must not participate in the holy sacrament or the things of God because it was for the covenant people of God who were made clean. The altar, the tabernacle, all the things, the possessions in the tabernacle, all the sacrifices, they were holy unto the Lord. And therefore, when you come as a worshiper, you have to come clean, ceremonially clean. But what happens when you are not clean? What happens, let's say, if you touch a dead body? What if you couldn't keep all the rules and regulations, all the commandments of God? Well, that was a concern of the unclean, secondly. That was their concern. Where we read at verse 6, and there were certain men who were unclean through touching a dead body, and that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. And those men said to him, we are unclean through touching a dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? And Moses said to them, Wait, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. See, they understood and they knew the Lord's command because in Leviticus chapter 7, Leviticus chapter 5, we even read, chapter 5, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who is leprous or has a discharge and everyone who is unclean through contact with the dead. So they were kept outside of the camp 
until the time in which they were made clean through ceremonial washings prescribed by the Lord. But they wanted to keep the Passover. They wanted to celebrate because they too remembered God's redemption, God's love. They remembered what God did for the people in Egypt. In Leviticus 7, verse 21, if anyone touches anything unclean, whether human uncleanness or unclean beast or any unclean detestable creature that eats some flesh from the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, that person shall be cut off from his people. So if they came and participated as unclean, they would be cut off. And these men came to Moses, understanding they were unclean and wanting to partake of the sacraments of the Passover, this sacrifice, this holy sacrifice that God instituted. They wanted to eat, but if they ate, they would be cut off. Note their attitude here. Note what they don't say. We'll wait till next year. We don't hear that. There's a genuine concern, isn't there? There's a genuine concern from these unclean men because they want a second chance. They want an opportunity to come before God clean. Lord, accept my sacrifice. Make arrangements so that I can come to you and draw near to you. Because to draw near to you is better than life itself. Here we see a beautiful picture of these unclean men who desire God, who love His commandments, who want to be in His presence, who want to receive His grace. I desire to come to you and I desire to partake with the community of faith, the sacrament of your salvation. That is the concern of the unclean. And their concerns were communicated to who? To the prophet who is Moses. And that prophet Moses is the mediator between God and man. Moses doesn't make an executive decision and say, oh, never mind, you can, you can partake. Or wait till next year. No, he says, let me inquire of the Lord. Let me go to the Lord and ask Him. Wait. Let me... Let me go find out what we must do here. And he says, Lord, what do I tell the people? And so Moses waits to hear a word from the Lord. And the Lord graciously answers him. He answers the concern, the question of the unclean men. And here in verses 9 to 14, we have the compassion 
of the Lord God, the compassion of our God. Speak to the people of Israel, he says. If any one of you of your descendants is unclean through touching a dead body or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month, on the 14th day at twilight, they shall keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until the morning, nor break any of its bones. According to all the statute for the Passover, they shall keep it. God gives a second chance, a second opportunity for these unclean to become clean by the grace of God and to partake of the sacrament of salvation. You see, God requires a clean heart. If you desire to draw near to Him, He requires clean hands and a pure heart to be part of the community of faith through the sacrifice of the Lamb. And he doesn't set aside his commandments and permit the unclean to partake of the sacrament. But he does make provisions. He makes provisions. God who knows all things and our uncleanness provides another chance for the unclean exactly one month later. One commentator said the Lord institutes an irregular Passover for those who desire to come to him, draw near to him with a Passover feast. The same command applies, same rule, same regulation applies, but God graciously appoints another time. Another time. These unclean men who humbly approach Moses the prophet ask and they receive by God's compassionate hand of love. Gives them another chance without compromising his own word, compromising his commands, compromising his justice, compromising his mercy. One commentator says, God is not just the God of rules and regulations, but the God who extends grace and mercy into the messy world of reality. Indeed, we live in a messy, sinful world, and we only need to look at our own hearts, our own homes, our own relationships. We live in a broken world, a hurting world, a desperate world. We live in a world messed up by sin and rebellion against God. We live in a world where perfect obedience and clean hands and a pure heart are not possible apart from the mercy and grace of God. And this is what makes the beauty of the gospel so profound and deep. Because at the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son who was born of a woman born under the law in order to redeem those who were under law and found to be sinners. Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Son of Man, the one who assumed a human nature, a human likeness like ours, yet without sin, He is the righteous one who fulfilled all the law and commandments that through His life, 
His ministry, His death, His resurrection has fulfilled the ceremonial laws that they became obsolete. Jesus Christ, who became a curse for us. We deserve the curse, but He took upon Himself the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And in Christ alone, in faith in His name, God grants that second chance. The third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and so on. When we come to Him humbly, broken and contrite in spirit, He is forgiving and merciful, compassionate, abounding in steadfast love. You see, the ceremonial laws pointed to man's spiritual and physical uncleanness, but through our Passover lamb, Jesus, the ceremonial laws became obsolete because he makes the defiled clean by his precious blood. He is the perfect and spotless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's why in the Gospels, we have Jesus cleaning who? The lepers. We have Jesus cleaning those who were defiled and could not enter into God's temple, enter into God's presence because they were defiled and unclean. Christ makes them clean. Which points even more to a spiritual reality that Jesus Christ makes the spiritually unclean clean. And how does He do that? By His precious blood because He is the Passover Lamb. The Lamb of God who takes away my sin He removes my sin as far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed my transgressions from me. Can you say that for yourself? Have you known His mercy that abounds? That when you come to Him humbled and broken, God appointed a time in the past, the cross, to bring forgiveness to partake, to partake in the salvation that He offers in His Son. To partake in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, where we taste and see that He is good. Where we partake of the sacrifice of thanksgiving, where the Lord's Supper looks back to what He did once for all on the tree when He shed His blood. But notice, those who do not partake, who do not keep the Passover, they're clean outwardly, and they're within the community. They haven't been outside of the camp. But what happens? They don't keep the Passover. Look with me in your Bible. Verse 13, but if a man who is ceremonially clean, if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man shall bear his sin. So there were the ceremonially unclean outwardly who desired to participate but there were some who were ceremonially clean and willingly disobeyed and didn't keep the Passover and celebrate the Passover with the people. And because of this, they were cut off. 
They didn't possess a living, active faith in the Lord, though they did everything ritualistically that God required. And yet they willingly disregarded the salvation of God from Egypt and the tyranny of Pharaoh. Their hearts were not right with God. And yet they were ceremonially unclean or ceremonially clean. Congregation, what does this sound like? Again, to go to the Gospels. Who did Jesus constantly preach to and teach? What did he teach against? Do not be like the Pharisees. Because what did the Pharisees do? Outwardly they were clean. But inwardly, they were like dead men's tombs. You see, there is a parallel between what Jesus teaches and who he encountered in the New Testament Gospels to what is being described here in our narrative. Jesus requires clean hearts. Yes, though the men who were unclean outwardly, they had hearts that desired to be with God and to celebrate God's grace. But these men who were clean outwardly were unclean in heart. Which are you? What do I mean? You see, we can come to church and go through all the motions, say the right things, do the right things, attend enough services to think that God is pleased. We've checked all the boxes. We think outwardly that we've done everything that needs to be done. But where's your heart? Where's my heart? You see, this is a heart issue. At the end of the day, it's a heart issue. I say it over and over again. And this is completely in line to what Jesus teaches when he came at the fullness of time to be our Passover lamb. One commentator says, such people as these ones who were clean outwardly but inwardly didn't keep the Passover, such people by their own neglect show that they were not part of the community and were not deserving of further union with it. We call that unbelief. Unbelief. Congregation, this morning we come to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And remember that the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is a picture, a reality of God's justice and mercy meeting together. At the cross of Christ, God's mercy and justice meet. God does not compromise his justice and mercy. And he provides the way of salvation 
He provides that second chance, third chance, fourth chance, and so on through the cross of Jesus, where God punished our sins in the body and soul of the Lord Jesus Christ to satisfy his justice. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The justice of God was satisfied in his Son on the cross, but also at the cross the mercy of God flows as the blood of Jesus is shed for the full forgiveness of all of our sins. God does not compromise his attributes. And in order for us to be saved from the wrath of God to come, and to allow us to come into his glorious presence, to draw near to God, we must be made clean. And only the blood of Jesus makes you and me clean. Yeah, Pastor, I've heard that enough times. Well, let me say something. Doubt, lack of assurance, questions, fears, all of those things regarding your salvation and the forgiveness of your sins need to be confronted with this truth. Bounce your eyes of faith away from yourselves and onto this glorious truth that Christ in his body and soul and his shed blood makes us clean. Therefore, I have been made clean. I am forgiven. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we celebrate the Lord's Supper reminded that through the cross alone, by God's grace, we receive God's mercy the forgiveness of our sins, the life everlasting. We are united to the community of faith and not caught off from the life of God. So this narrative of Numbers chapter 9 is a foreshadowing of that beautiful day, that day at the fullness of time when Christ accomplishes salvation for sinners, unclean sinners like you and me. And we celebrate the Lord's Supper according to the Lord's command, entering His gracious favor by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We have been baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which symbolizes the washing away of filth, the uncleanness of soul by the Spirit of God. And we humbly draw near to God in full assurance of faith, participating in that sacrifice of thanksgiving, that sacrament of the Lord's Supper, remembering the one sacrifice of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. God is a God of second chances. Third, fourth, fifth, and so on. And His arm is not short to save you and me. His mercy isn't so shallow that he is not able to forgive our sins. 
On the contrary, he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Those who come to him through faith in Christ are forgiven of all their sins. Remember that. Remeditate upon it. Take it to heart. Embrace it by faith, Christian. Amen. Let's pray. O oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for your sovereign mercies that are in our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, O oh Lord, that when we sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. For you indeed, O oh Lord, do not count our sins against us, even though they are many. They have been forgiven by the blood, the shed blood of the Passover lamb. And so we look to no other Savior. We look not to ourselves. We look not to no, any other creature. We look solely to the one who came, died, and rose again, and who has ascended to the right hand of the Father. We look to Jesus, Son of God and Son of Man, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, as we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table, I invite you to turn in your forms and prayers book to page 50. To all of you who have with godly sorrow confessed your sins and who have affirmed true faith in Christ, the promise of Jesus is sure. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. For the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. While remaining bread and wine, these sacred elements nevertheless become so united to the reality they signify that we do not doubt but joyfully believe that we receive in this meal by the Spirit through faith nothing less than the crucified body and shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. For all who live in rebellion against God and in unbelief, this holy food and drink will bring you only further condemnation. If you do not yet confess Jesus Christ and seek to live, and live under his gracious reign, we admonish you to abstain. But all who repent and believe are united or invited to this sacred meal not because you are worthy in yourself, but because you are clothed in Christ's perfect righteousness. Do not allow the weakness of your faith or your failures in the Christian life to keep you from this table, for it is given to us because of our weakness and because of our failures, in order to increase our faith by feeding us with the body and blood of Jesus Christ. As the Word has promised us God's favor, so also our Heavenly Father has added this confirmation of his unchangeable promise. So come, believing sinners, for the table is ready. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This time we're going to pray. Following the prayer, we're going to stand together to confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Let's pray together. 
Almighty and everlasting God, who by the blood of your only begotten Son has secured for us a new and living way into the Holy of Holies, cleanse our minds and hearts by your word and spirit that we, your redeemed people, drawing closer to you through this holy sacrament, may enjoy fellowship with the Holy Trinity through the body and blood of Christ our Savior. We know that our ascended Savior does not live in temples made by hands, but is in heaven, where he continues to intercede on our behalf. Through this sacrament, by your own word and spirit, may these common elements now be set apart from ordinary use and consecrated by you, so that just as surely as we eat and drink these elements by which our bodily life is sustained, so truly we receive into our souls for our spiritual life the true body and true blood of Christ. We receive these gifts by faith, which is the hand and mouth of our souls. Amen. Congregation, please stand. As we draw near to the table of our Lord, let us confess our Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite you to turn in your songbook with me to number 338. 338, we'll sing the four stanzas of When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
Jesus is our Passover lamb, the one who was crucified. Not one of his bones were broken, fulfilled in our Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And on the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it. And said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The elders will distribute the bread, and we ask that you please hold on to it, and we will partake of it together. Christian, 
take, eat, remember and believe that the body of our Lord Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all of your sins. Jesus took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Please take note that the wine is in the outer circles and grape juice in the inner circles.
Christian, take, drink, remember and believe that the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we humbly give you thanks and praise for your great mercy. We thank you, O Lord, that we can participate of this sacrament and be reminded of the work and salvation provided full and free through the sacrifice of your Son. We thank you that you are merciful and gracious and that you are our constant source of faith, hope, and love. We bless you for permitting us to show forth his death, the death of your son, and to receive the communion of his body and blood through the Holy Sacrament. We praise you, O Lord, for uniting us more fully with the body of Christ and for assuring us that we are heirs of your heavenly kingdom. Grant that our commemoration of his death may tend to the daily confirming of our faith, the establishment of our hope, and the strengthening of our love. Enable us henceforth to live always for our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Amen. I invite you to turn in your songbook with me to, page, or to number 498. We'll stand and sing, I will sing of my Redeemer. The last stanza, let us sing with just our voices, with joy and gladness in our hearts.
Amen. As we go forth into this Lord's day, by his grace and mercy, let us go forth with his parting blessing. Also, the doxology will be number 106b, stanza 1 and 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. And God's people said, Amen.